attention to the Sacramento Kings. Holy smokes. I'm not going to beat around the bush with this intro. Sam, this whole first half is going to be about the Kings. And honestly, that game that they just played against the Clippers. And let's waste absolutely zero time getting into it. That was one of the craziest basketball games I've ever seen. And I, I didn't even see the whole thing. <laughs> I saw the conclusion, the end. I didn't really – I saw Act 3, not Act 2 and 1. And it still was just ridiculous the entire time. Yeah, I, don't th- I think both teams were playing at their absolute best the entire time. Let's just um, – Really, I, you know what? The biggest thing to come out of it, the Kings don't give an F. Who's on the other side of the court? Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> um, let's uh, l- let me read you some like just some of the stats yeah, out of this it. game. So both teams shot over fifty five percent. The Clippers were sixty percent from the field. The Kings <laughs> were fifty eight. Sixty for the game. Yep, yeah, sixty for the game. There Can't were that Kings defense. I know. <laughs> there were eighty six threes taken. Uh, During the game, 86. Um, uh, So 41 by the Kings, 45 by the Clippers. The Kings shot 43% from the three-point line. The Clippers shot 57% from the three-point line. Wow. Um, The the Kings out-rebounded the Clippers 43-42. to There were 30 assists by the Kings, 39 by the Clippers. Here's the big difference, and Mm -hmm. or at least something that, Maybe on paper you'd think would be a big difference, but maybe the three the the sheer amount of three pointers that the Clippers made maybe cancels this out a little bit. The Kings had 18 steals and forced 25 turnovers. The Kings only had 15 turnovers. They had 10 less turnovers, and they bullied the Clippers in the paint. They had 88 points in the paint compared to the Clippers' 48. I think the threes are really what kept the Clippers in the game, <laughs> honestly. Well, I mean, it kept them ahead of the Kings for most of this game because really the Kings had to come back. Uh, the Kings only led this game for most of the first and then the very end of the second overtime, really. Mm-hmm. And everything else was all Clippers. They were playing. They were throwing a perfect game and just lost it with two outs in the ninth. Yeah, I – so – I mean, this game. This game was seventy-six to eighty at halftime. <laughs> well, yeah, even yeah, even the halftime score was shocking. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you see occasionally one team will be going for a pretty high number, but not both. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's like an end of the third quarter type of score. And you had three players collectively in the game go for over forty. Paul George had thirty-four, so he was close. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabonis got another double double, but the star of the night was Malik Monk. I know Deer and Fox had forty two points, but he had it in a very different way than Malik Monk did. Um, Monk got his forty uh, forty five drastically differently than Fox, just maybe from a sheer clutch factor. I know Fox hit the last one at the end, but Monk sort of felt like he went nuclear as opposed to Fox being more consistent throughout the whole game. Um, I mean, what can we say about Malik Monk? I mean, I know we've talked about him on the show a lot, especially the beginning of the season. And we were having the conversation on this show, who was more integral to this team at the beginning of the season, Sabonis or Monk. And while I think the roles have sort of fleshed themselves out and we know that it's Sabonis, 
I mean, a case could be made that Malik Monk is one of the three most valuable players on the team. Oh, I think easily. Easily, he's, he is the floor general of that second unit. He is when De'Aaron Fox is off. He is the primary ball handler of this team. He's the primary distributor. He runs the pick and roll so efficiently with Sabonis. Um, and when he's hitting threes, he is a different player. Oh, yeah. He really is. And we've seen the month of the season, the first couple of months of the season, he was hitting everything. And then the next couple of months, he wasn't hitting anything. Mm-hmm. And now it sort of seems like he's found that form. He got injured a little bit before the All-Star break, and that's kind of what led to the Kings slide a little bit. Um, but when he's on the court, I mean, he is a six-man-of-the-year candidate. We've been saying that all year. Um, and he is he is that sixth, that sixth starter off the bench, mm-hmm. really. And – let me let me just add. I, I'm going to curb away from Malik just for a second, mainly because I think he's going to be included in this. Um, but I just found an article from CBS Sports, and it was titled "Kings Clippers Thriller: Ten Crazy Numbers, Including Malik's Monk, Malik Bench Explosion, and a Kawhi Leonard First. So let me read you these numbers because they're very they're pretty interesting. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. So the first number is one. This is the first loss of Kawhi Leonard's career in which he has topped the 40-point mark. That's okay. Inter- that's interesting because, I, yeah. I mean, I imagine that he's done that quite a bit. <laughs> um, well, when he's actually playing, yeah. Right. <laughs> Somebody made the joke that um, this was enough basketball for Kawhi Leonard for the next <laughs> 10 years. We'll, we'll ah. see him when he's 40. <laughs> yeah, that's um, good. So the next number is uh, two. It's not actually like a list. They're actually giving the number and not like one, two, three, four, five. So the next number is two. Um, the the three hundred and fifty one total points on Friday makes it the second uh, highest scoring game in NBA history, trailing the three three hundred and seventy point game between the Nuggets and the Pistons, uh, and that was a triple overtime affair in nineteen eighty three. Uh, <clears throat> the next number is three. Sacramento's 176 points is the third highest single team total in NBA history, trailing the Pistons and the Nuggets, 186 and 184. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next number is four. The Clippers, 175. I thought you said this wasn't one, two, three, four. I know. It goes to four <laughs> and five, and then it jumps. <laughs> um, the Clippers, 175 points is the fourth highest single team total in NBA history. Okay, so that's well, obvious. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty That was pretty. Yeah, obvious. that's pretty obvious. Okay, yeah. So, and thanks, CBS. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were just trying to fill the top ten list. Right. They were like, oh, we're only at eight. What are yeah. we going to do? All right, so the next one is five. This is just the fifth time in NBA history that there have been three – 40-point scores in the game. Malik Monk, Kawhi Leonard, and De'Aaron Fox. So we had mentioned that a little bit, mentioned that there were three 40-point um, scores in this game. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how many times that had happened, so obviously we have that number. Um, 14 is the next number. Russell Westbrook's 14 assists go down as the third most in NBA history for a team debut. Um, huh. Interesting little note. Uh, the next one is 26. The Clippers made 26 three-pointers Friday, an NBA Ooh. record for a losing team. That had never happened before. And then uh, just three more right here. 40. With with the Knights of Monk, Fox, uh, Monk, Leonard, and Fox, there have now been 145 40-point games across the league this season. An NBA record was still six weeks left to play. Yeah, I mean, scoring has been – that's been highly publicized. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And then second to last one here, number 44, the 44 combined three-pointers on Friday are an NBA single-game record. The Bulls and Hawks set the previous record in um, 2019 with 43. And then 45. Monk's 45 points are the most for any player off the bench this season. It also ties (laughs) Kevin Martin for the second Mm -hmm. most points in Kings franchise history off the bench. Kmart? Trailing the 40. Eight by Mike Woodson, uh, who scored uh, he scored forty eight points for the Kansas City Kings in February nineteen eighty three. So those are ten numbers coming out of that game. Some of them pretty on the nose. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, some of those were pretty interesting. The um, number three with the um, or not number three, but the the stat about the three players scoring forty points um, mm-hmm. in a game. That's the fifth time that that's happened. Um, I guess that's not all that surprising. I mean, 120-plus points from three players in a game. I mean, you got to have – to have one person be, have that kind of night is not always the rule. Having two people have that same type of night is kind of an exception. So having three guys have that kind of night, yeah, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, I can't even think of another – the only time that comes up for me is when Kyrie and LeBron went for 40 as teammates in the finals. And that was the first time, I think the only time that that's ever happened mm-hmm. in the finals. Um, for a guy to go for 40, for for one guy to go to, for 40, he's got to have so much usage and be on fire. But for, then for another guy in Fox who arguably has a higher usage than Monk for him also to get his and get, go for 40. They, they were both extremely efficient uh, last night. Uh, I thinking about that Malik Monk buzzer beater, but not really buzzer beater, but shot with one second left. But is this more of a Kings win or a Clippers collapse? I think a little bit of a Clippers collapse, a little bit. I mean, there was a point in the fourth quarter or – no, I think it was overtime, the first overtime. I think the Clippers went up by like four or five. And I felt like the air was sort of being taken out of the ball. I was like, oh, man, the Kings had a little bit of momentum. And they – I don't know if Fox – Fox had a couple plays last night late in the game where like he just like dribbled off his foot or Mm -hmm. got it kind of taken from him and – I think one of those had happened and it just everything seemed to be moving towards the Clippers direction. And I, I was, I was sitting there and I was going, Oh man, I, I truthfully don't think that uh sorry if there's some static on the mic right here, my cat just jumped into my lap and is all <laughs> over. Um, I'm going to have to put you down here for a sec, Stevie. Thank you. Um, yeah, there was a point where I didn't, I really didn't think they were going to win. Um, there's a lot of points where I didn't think they were going to win. Well, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but in the fourth quarter, I think there was only like like two minutes left. They were down by five, and I think the Clippers had the ball, something like that. And I was well, like, they're down oh. by thirteen in the fourth quarter. That too. Um, but I probably more of a Clippers collapse. Um, but you know for whatever collapses they had on defense, the Kings still had to make those shots and make those plays. So yeah. and I, you could, you could spin it both ways against a great uh, defensive team. And how it's honestly, if we're looking at this with zero bias, it's pretty nice to see Kawhi 
back to full strength, pretty much. We haven't really seen this Kawhi in a couple of years. Oh, it's great. I mean, this dude was my favorite player for like years. Um, and I would, if he had continued to play um, and, you know, not gotten injured and not decided that he just wanted to rest for the rest of his life, um, he probably still would be. Um, I love watching Kawhi Leonard play basketball. It's, it's so much fun. Um, so, yes, having him back is a great thing for the NBA. I just hope that that continues to be um, a trend and um, not an exception. <laughs> How dangerous are the Clippers? Okay, so I wanted – so you, I'm glad you asked that because that was going to bring me into sort of the, the conversation that I wanted to have. I was listening to my favorite uh, sports radio show the other day, and um, they were – Get David, Up? No. Gre- no, Greeny. Greeny. Greeny, of course, Greeny. Yeah. Come on now. Well, that's and the he, same thing. It's like the same thing. He hosts Get Up. And- yeah, but he doesn't like actually really give any sort of thoughts or analysis on Get Up. He just sort of throws it to everybody and just kind of relaxes. Um, uh, Rich Eisen's better than Greeny, though. I love Rich. I love Rich. Uh, Greeny's – I've been listening to Greeny since I was in like sixth grade. So there's like – there's sort of like an at-home factor with that. But I do love Rich. I love Rich. Um, and, you know, they – he had a couple people on, uh, on Get Up. And um, earlier in the week, and then he gave a list earlier this week on who he thought were like the five teams that he could see winning the NBA uh, championship. Mm -hmm. And he left. It was interesting because I think it was Tim Legler. I believe it was Mm -hmm. uh, Legs. He had the Warriors on his list. Greeny did not. Greeny actually put the Clippers at like three. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically stating that when the Clippers get back at full strength, like they're 100%, um, they could easily, easily be, he was like, he was like, if I had to bet my bet money right now, then I would say that the Western conference is going to be in LA and in Phoenix, and it's going to be the Suns and the Clippers. And I can understand why he says that just based on the roster that the Clippers have. I mean, they're loaded. Um, but I don't I, I don't know if I look at them in the same way that I would look at like like if I'm listing the five best teams just period in the NBA I'm not sure that I'm putting them on that list mm-hmm. for me personally. I I easily I'm going to put the Celtics and the Bucks above them and I'm definitely going to put the Nuggets. I'd have to put Phoenix there at the moment. And I then I the think 76ers and then, yeah, you probably throw the 76ers and then you can kind of toss around who you want to put after that. But I mean, that's not, that's not the top. So I don't, I don't think they're one of the five best teams in the NBA, but saying that I wouldn't be overly surprised if they made it deep. Cause they've certainly got two guys to do it. Now this is going to sound like a dumb statement, but I think it's, it's a different conversation when you're saying the best five teams in the NBA versus the five teams you're most confident will win a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. Because Cause I feel like the Lakers, I'm more confident that they could actually win a championship than what are their 13th in the conference right now. Mm-hmm. But for me, they'd probably be in the top. I'd certainly have a lot more confidence in them winning a championship than the Kings at this point, just because they have LeBron. 
Right, right. There is something to be said about it. And they've done it. There's with at least some makeup of this group a little bit. Um, not everybody, but a few remaining pieces. Yeah, um, like I think Memphis is a better team than the Clippers. But I'd have more confidence in the Clippers in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, I would too. Um, Just because Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi is one of those he's guys. A killer. He's a top five superstar in this league when healthy. Yeah. He really is. And he's and he's a closer too. Like he he's not only is he that good, but he's done it multiple times. Um and there's something to be said about having experience in that area. Um what about the Mavericks? I'm just looking at the standings right here. Mm-hmm. They're one game behind the Cl- the the Clippers are thirty three and twenty nine. They're sitting at fifth. The Suns are thirty three and twenty eight. Therefore, the Kings are 34 and 25. Mm-hmm. But out of the top five, the Mavericks sit at six at 32 and 29. So I like them. The Mavericks just don't have enough defense for them. They're not a great think, defensive team. I didn't think they needed Kyrie. I mean, Luca was doing it on his own, and it was seemingly working. Um, I just think that the Clippers, Suns, Mavericks, all those teams are going to potentially just beat each other up and not make any ground. Yeah, it's I yeah, I think the top 6 probably are all going to sort of just yeah, continue to fight each other a little bit. Do you um, think do you think it's more likely that the Kings will catch up to Memphis? or get caught by one of those three teams? Well, just based on numbers, the Kings are only like one game. They're a game – well, technically they're a game and a half behind the Grizzlies. Um, And they have a a four-and-a-half game lead on the eighth seed. I think the only team that you're worried about making a push would be the Mavericks. I mean, are you really worried about the Pelicans catching fire? Probably Well, I'm worried about Phoenix. Yeah, but so here's the thing: the Kings aren't fi- the Kings aren't playing against the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Clippers, and the Mavericks right now. They're the the, the people that the King, the teams that the Kings are competing against right now are the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, uh, and the Warriors. The reason why I say that is because right now the top six in the Western Conference are in order: goes Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Suns, Clippers, Mavericks. So if you're vying for a playoff spot, you obviously need to have one of those six seeds. Otherwise you're not guaranteed. So to me, I don't necessarily care if they get caught by the Suns, the Clippers, the Mavericks. I'd prefer that they don't, but I'm more worried in w- about the Pelicans, the Timberwolves and the Warriors and watching them and their schedules and their record, because I just don't want the Kings to be in a plan. So this might come back to haunt me, but I'm going to say it anyway, because we're on a, I mean, we're on a sports podcast. I'm not worried about the Kings losing out to Minnesota, New Orleans, and Golden State. I think all those teams are so inconsistent. They've been inconsistent all year. Um, they have the like five to six game lead over most of them. I think that's pretty sizable. As this Kings team just finds a way to keep winning, and they're gonna co- they're gonna go up against Houston's, San Antonio's, Detroit's, Charlotte's, Orlando's. Um, other te- favorable teams in the East, right? They still have those matchups left. 
Um, so I'm not worried about them. I'm honestly, I think the Kings deserve our attention in the fact that we as home court advantage, not home court advantage through the playoffs, but through the first round. I think they've shown that they're they should be taken that seriously. They have the potential to do that, but I mean, you got to keep in mind that in order to do that, they'd have to beat out the Suns, the Clippers, and the Mavericks. Which, yes, they're doing right now. Well, well not no, really. Like to, they're okay. not. They're not catching. They're but they're not having to catch anyone. They're in that spot. They're in that so they spot have to right maintain. now. Yes. Um. Although we don't necessarily know what the Suns look like yet. Um, no, we don't. With Durant, and who knows when we're going to know that. So maybe the Kings build up enough that it won't. KD coming in won't be substantial enough to maybe lose um, some ground on that, but. I mean, they'd have to they'd have to beat out two out of the Suns, the Clippers, and the Mavericks. They'd have to be better than two of those teams by the end of the regular season to have home uh, home court. And yes, I think they had uh, a good chance of doing that. But I think, and maybe I'm just looking at it from a standpoint of I just so desperately want a playoff series for the Kings. Mm-hmm. That I just more more than anything, I'm just worried about one through six. Like that's all that I'm sort of keeping my eyes. And anything above that is just gravy, you know. No, I totally get it, but I think I don't. I don't know if it's recency bias of what happened last night. They're on. They've won both games after the All Star break. Um, I'm. I'm more thinking. I, I believe in this team. I think I've seen enough that makes me totally confident that they're going to make the playoffs. Now it's about, okay, what do, what are we looking at matchup wise? Um, big thing for me though, finally the Kings are on nationally national television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> NBA kind of was uh, probably kicking themselves. Not that anybody could have predicted it, but like, with that game the other night against the Clippers, like, damn, that would have been nice to have. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, no. So it's good to see that they're getting some national, uh, national love. I will say as Kings fans, there is one number to me. What? Well, I guess technically two, but really one number that Kings as Kings fans should give you the most confidence about this team going into the playoffs. There's one and only one number. Um, and it is their conference record. And right now, the Kings, as it stands, are 22-13 and 13 against the Western Conference, which is the second best in the Western Conference, only behind the Denver Nuggets, who are the number one seed uh, in the West. To me, that number, more than anything, would give me confidence going into a playoff series because – we all talk about how the Western Conference is loaded, and rightfully so, it is. But the fact that the Kings have a nine-game difference between their wins and losses in the conference record, to me, that is the most important number for them going into, um, you know, going into the playoffs as fans. Like that is what gives me the single most amount of confidence. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple numbers that. I think are pretty bad. Uh, well, pretty telling. Um, number one in offense, right, in the whole entire league. That's 
incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like they have the sixth worst defense per game. Right, but we have to add a caveat to that. There was a stat given during the game the other uh, last night that in the fourth quarter and overtime, they're the fourth best defense in the league. So, like, it seems that they don't care about defense for the first three quarters, and the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, they turn into just demons. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'm just I'm giving Mike Brown the benefit of the doubt for sure because I think he should wholeheartedly win Coach of the Year if this team were to stay in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But he is – I didn't even realize this. He's a defensive coach. That's his specialist, his specialty, right? Um, and it really – does it – should it really take three quarters for a team to then be like, okay, now we're going to focus on defense? As somebody who loved defense almost more than anything, no, it should <laughs> <laughs> No. Like, it, it is – and I – everything I hear from this team, they're always like, no, like, our de- like we are – we need we are focusing on our defense, yada, 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 yada. But it's just like, what is – where is the disconnect? Right. I don't get – and I do not for one second believe that I could guard anyone in the NBA. Uh, no siree. They would all dunk on my face. But we're talking about NBA athletes here. Yeah, um, it's all relative. That I mean, I'd just like to see some improvement. I know. Please? I mean, 118? Imagine if they were just giving up 115 per game. Yeah, I mean, you'd uh, – yeah, I mean, it, it, it does feel drastically different even just, you know, that, you know, minuscule downsize. Um that differential would be the best in the Western Conference. Well, there you go. Um, well, then, I mean, saying that, I mean, we talked about how scoring is up in the league, and I think that the defensive numbers are probably going to be inflated a little bit this season. So maybe the, how, do you have the numbers in front of you? Like, who is the best defense? Um, yes. I imagine it's probably Boston or the Bucks. Uh, um, nope, neither of those. Uh, is it Denver? No, Denver's the best in the West. No, um, I'm sorry. Phoenix is the best in the West. Um, Cleveland Cavaliers are the oh, lowest yes. points per game. Yes, yes, yes. Followed, yes, yes. Uh, followed by Miami pretty closely. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The Cavaliers um, quietly putting together a very, very nice season. <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like they really good young core. Yeah, they're only five games out of first place um, in the East right now. <laughs> See, this is the thing I don't get: Golden State, right? <clears throat> I get respecting them as champions, um, but they're not exactly playing. I mean, the what it, what Golden State was at the end of the day was one of the best defensive teams to complement how good their offense was, mm-hmm. right? And now they're easily one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. I don't know how you just turn that around by adding Steph. Yeah, and it's weird. They're set. Okay, so I was talking about conference records and home and away records and stuff. The Warriors are 23-7 and seven at home. But they're mm-hmm. seven and twenty-three on the road. They're a bad team. Bad teams lose on the road. 
to, to put it in context for you, the 13th, there are, there are obviously 30 teams in the NBA. The 13th seed right now in the Western Conference is the Lakers. They have 28 wins. The Kings right now are the third best team in the West, right? They have 34 wins. So a six-win difference. And this leads me to say that the bottom two teams, the Spurs and the Rockets, have 14 and then 13 wins. Both of them are 5-25 and 25 on the road. The Warriors' record, the Warriors road record is about the same as the two worst teams in the Western Conference by a mile. Worst teams in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's just not good. And you, we sit, we're waiting for that team to turn it around. I just don't think, I think they're just going to run out of time. Yeah, they're just not. Um, I mean, they lost to the Clippers the other day. And I mean, we, they're pretty easy to beat apparently. So I don't, (laughs) not that easy. Yeah. Which by the way, we're going to get round two of Kings Clippers um, here. Yeah. Coming up, coming up yeah. in the stack though. So this is what I think we can end it on this, right? That game's going to sell out (laughs) the change really in the community around sack sellouts were probably like big games, Lakers, Golden State, uh, Clippers sometimes, OKC when they had KD, Russ, and Harden, like big-time West opponents, usually would sell out in mm-hmm. Sacramento. Um, and a part of that, too, was Golden State fans, Laker fans, Clipper fans, you know, that sort of thing. They would go to those games. But now, every time I look, the Kings are just selling out. Oh, yeah. And it could be a game on a Tuesday, and they're filling up the Golden 1 Center. And there's light the beam chance on the road. As there should. You know what the great thing about the nationally televised game against the Knicks in March is? Is that, one, the Kings will have played on a Monday against the Pelicans, and the game against the Knicks is going to be on a Thursday, so they're going to be well-rested. And the game is in Sacramento. It's not in New York. So people are going to be able to see what I'm assuming is going to be a ridiculously loud Sacramento crowd. I don't get that choice. Against the Knicks? Yeah, why not Why not televise the, the Clippers against one round Against any two? West team. Yeah. yeah. Like, against any West team. It's just because it's the Knicks, you know? Well, I'm assuming, uh, let's be honest, it's probably because there wasn't any, it's probably going to be a pretty slow night. It's a Thursday night in the NBA. Like, why not wait for the Phoenix game? That's on right. Saturday. Right, or heck, true. the Milwaukee game on Monday. Or, like, we could go down the line, uh, Phoenix again in Sacramento later that month. Minnesota, like, they play against a whole slew of Western Conference opponents. Wow, that's awesome that they finished the season against Denver. That's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll be, uh, we'll be, that'll be a game for the number one seed. <laughs> uh, at least they don't have to play Memphis anymore. That's yes, cool. screw them. But I, to me, the obvious one would have would have been the Clippers game. Like, why mm-hmm. not? Why not run it back? Like, we just saw how good that game was. But how good could how like honestly that the second game on March third it can't live up. No, it won't. But <laughs> your hope as the NBA would be maybe that it will be still a really competitive game yeah. um, against two teams that are almost identical in terms of standings right now. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just a big-time game. Even the Minnesota game, the New Orleans game is big-time. I guess that's on national TV because it's on NBA TV. Good thing I can watch that. Yeah. Um, It's just really weird. The Knicks game is probably, apart from their game against San Antonio and Washington, that Knicks game is probably the worst game left. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least to me, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, so, uh, let me, and let me tell you the, these next two games for the Kings. Big time. Huge. They need to win. Huge. Both. These are two games. They absolutely one should win and absolutely two have to win. Like if they, if they can get to 36 and 25 and be 11 games over 500, I mean that I need, I need to see it. I know. And, Talk about, I mean, it's not a gift from the schedule makers because, you know, I, I mean, they could, I mean, any team could lose any night, honestly. But, like, to have it to, to pl- play against the Thunder, who realistically is an inferior opponent for sure, twice. I mean, you, you, you have to win. You have to win these two games. Like, I know they're in OKC. So realistically, maybe you slip one, but man, if you could get both, oh, that would be huge. That would be carrying so much momentum from this Clippers game. If you can carry that through both of these Thunders game and then rematch with the Clippers again, oh, that would be so good. That would be so good. It'd be nice to be 11 games over and you get a couple more wins against Western Conference opponents. So it just goes to that that West Western conference um, record mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, Hey, even if we lose this game against the Clippers, we're still 10 games over 500. Yeah. That'd be incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find, I can't see if the Kings, I thought they played OKC already. Uh, they should have. Yeah. They beat them uh, January 20th. Um, one eighteen to one thirteen. Keegan Murray played well. Okay, I I need Sabonis to step up a little bit and not foul out, please. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. That's been a, that's been a bit of a uh, bit of an annoying trend. <laughs> <laughs> I need Keegan to play a little bit. I, like we, the Kings should not need Malik Monk to go for forty five, and also Barnes. Barnes had a Barnes had a quiet night. Um, need a little bit more from Harrison, just a little bit, not a lot, but I I like Terrence Davis in short doses. Metu, if he plays the way he did the other night, oh, that was gigantic. He was so important for the Kings the other night. Yeah, he's he's a nice vertical threat, pretty much the whole time. Yeah, um, but really, both teams played awful defense. I mean, they did. The Clippers didn't guard any back cuts or anything near the basket. It was pretty bizarre. The only person who didn't play bad defense is Davion Mitchell because he never plays bad defense, but let's just, you know. Yeah, he doesn't play good offense either. Let's just let's just say what, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> um, all right, well, a lot of Kings talk, obviously. We're excited, so we're going to talk about the Kings. And I, the plan was to get um, our buddy Ben on the show. So here's what I will say. 
over the next couple weeks, we are going to try to plan to at least have two guests. We're going to try to have Ben back on the show, and then we're going to try to get Josh. We've been talking to Josh about coming on the show for a while again, and it's just it's been seeming to slip through the cracks. So we're going to try to want to talk about the Kings. I do. know he just wants to talk about basketball shoes the whole time. <laughs> um, and now we going to talk about our sponsor Rakuten who's not sponsoring this video have you seen one of his videos lately not the most recent uh, like one or two that's like the mid ad role that he has on every single one of his videos hmm. I'm like well if it's not sponsoring the video Josh why is it in the middle of the video right <laughs> <laughs> oh Josh we love you <laughs> um, but yeah we're going to try to get Josh uh, and Ben both on the show um over the next couple of weeks to talk some more basketball because it, the playoffs are the playoffs are about to be here. They're they're right around the corner. Um, mm-hmm. And then, speaking of right around the corner, let's transition a little bit away from the world of sports because we actually have something that you and I can finally converse about a little bit. Because um, you have like, done, kind of you've done your homework. Um, finally, yeah, right. Caught up. Caught up. Um, if any of you are not listening, I mean, if any of you are not currently watching the last of us tv show then i would urge you to well first of all i'd like to say thank you for listening but we are going to dive into a little bit of spoilers so i will give you some time to turn off the episode that way um you can avoid said spoilers or if you're just not interested in the last of us that's fine but every once in a while we dabble in a little bit of the entertainment world because sam and i both um really love movies and you know shows as well so um we'll talk a little bit about the last of us because Sam has finally um, decided to watch all the episodes and catch back up now that he has free time. So that should be enough time for everybody. All right, let's get into it. Um, What do you think? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Uh, You know, HBO can't really do anything wrong Uh, from house of the dragons to uh, game of Thrones, countless Mm -hmm. other shows that they have going. Um, This video game adaptation is just, I think it is, as you've said to me several times, it is so genuine to the source material, but then is able to add on to it and put its own creative flair to make it new and authentic um, and entertaining for those that play the games. I never played the games, so this is my first exposure to the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. And it, it really sucks that most of the world already knows probably what's going to happen in the show anyway, and I have no idea. Uh, I'll have, I have to tell you, I think my phone listened to the fact that I'm talking about The Last of Us, and then it's sending me on YouTube, like, suggesting me cut scenes to that <laughs> Last of Us 2 and la- the end of Last of Us 1. I'm like, nope, I can't watch it. Right. Why would I, why would I watch it there? <laughs> Yeah, uh, different things like that. Like, I genuinely don't know if uh, Joel is dead or not. Oh, at I'm the assuming moment. he's not. He, <laughs> I'm assuming moment. he's not because they still have more episodes to film. Right, 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 right. Um, or oh, they've already filmed it, but like, yeah, I have no idea what happens. Right, and that's good. Um, and it's, I mean, I, unless you ever get a PlayStation, you'll never obviously be able to play the game. So I, it's even. Oh, just, Freaking stab that dagger wound in me. I mean, you could. You decided to not Just get a PlayStation. Twist it in my back. It, I did. Nobody forced you to buy an Xbox instead of a PlayStation. <laughs> um. So, I mean, for so 
that's where Sam and I differ. Obviously I played both games. Um, I loved both of them. Um, arguably my favorite game series ever. Um, and yeah, so you're right in the sense that, you know, it has been very true to the source. And I've seen a lot of people who have played the game say that they're skipping out on a lot of stuff. And you got to keep in mind that they only had nine episodes to work with. And there is a lot of ancillary stuff along the way that they had to trim out. They just because, you know, they can't fit everything um, in in the show. I actually thought when the show was announced, because the game takes place over like four seasons, like the actual seasons, um, I thought that they were going to make the show based on like each of the four seasons of the game um, and really spread out um, the show that way. Obviously, that would have taken probably not isn't that feasible because that would have taken forever to film. <laughs> um, and, you know, by the time that everybody was available to do all that stuff, everybody probably would have been too old for their roles anyway. Um, so, yeah, probably not feasible. So they obviously have to trim out a lot of ancillary stuff. And some of the stuff that I've noticed in the show is, you know, there actually has been a surprisingly um, stark lack of infected. Um there hasn't been a lot of scenes with infected um, in them. And, you know, along the way in the game, you meet, you know, you run into them all the time. So they obviously had to trim all that out. And they obviously had to trim out a lot of, you know, encounters with, you know, you know, gangs and um, sort of raiders and stuff like that. And I think for those people who like myself played the game, you got to keep in mind, you know, the task that they were given here, like it, to expect them to include everything is one is impossible. And two, I think they've included the majority of the like main important scenes. And you're right. They have added and taken away certain things to make the story unique. Like the whole thing uh, with bill, um, that whole side episode was not a part of the game. Um, the fact that they, we're in Jackson in this most recent episode. Jackson didn't show up until game two. Um, so that was in, in that episode when, um, when they went to the power plant that had, that was like the hydro power plant yeah. in the game. That's where Tommy and Maria were. Um, they were trying to get that to work obviously to power Jackson, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, so skip that. Yeah, they just totally skipped that whole thing. And that's where that's actually where Joel told Tommy the first time about uh, Ellie. And then there was a big raid that happened on the on that um, power plant. It was a huge fight scene. Obviously, got rid of all of that. Um, and they just went straight to Jackson, which I think makes sense. Um, so they've deviated a little bit from the story, but not like... That that deviation was still within the story of what actually happened between the two games. You know what I mean? Like they didn't just make up Jackson. Um, so, and then that encounter where Joel got stabbed, he does get hurt there in the game, but it's a much bigger fight and he gets hurt a different way. Um, so I, I like the fact that they've changed a little bit of things because it makes the show for somebody like myself, who's played all of them. I, you know, I may know that the arc that the story is going to take, but I don't know the little turns that it's going to take along the way to get there, you know? So it still makes it entertaining. Um, you know, for zombie anything, 
you have to sort of suspend some disbelief of for things that spread themselves by biting and that's their primary goal, they sure do suck at it. Right. Like what was it, the second episode with the the clicker things? The clickers, yeah. And Joel didn't have his shotgun. Uh or whatever gun he had. I think he had the assault rifle at that point. Like he's just hand to hand with that clicker. Like why can't that thing bite him? You know what? At any moment. <laughs> you know what the interesting thing is? So in the game, when you're fighting clickers, the only ways that you can kill them are obviously to shoot them. Um or to, like, like if you ran up to a clicker in the game and tried to punch it, like, just bare hand, the game will automatically, like, you'll get killed right away by the clicker. Like, they, yeah. make, it, they make it so that the That's only not way even is, an option. Yeah, it's not even an option. Like, you have to either sneak up behind it, stab it with a knife, or, like, like daze it a little bit. Like, you can throw bottles at them, and then you can run up and kind of you know, punch him a little bit, but even that's a little bit risky. Um, you can use like baseball bats or axes and stuff to fight them that way. And then you might be able to get them. But for the most part, if you're going hand to hand with a, like a fully healthy clicker in the game, they automatically kill you. Um, so yeah, yeah, I know. I get what you're saying um, for that. That particular scene, I think, they kind of ripped from the game sort of an introduction to the clickers, like that sort of museum esque scene. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so I, I actually, I love the way that they all look like they all look identical <laughs> um, to the game. Gross. And actually the voice actors who did the voice work on the, uh, games actually mm-hmm. came back and did the voice work for the show, so they sound. Oh, exactly you're talking insane. about the main characters. Uh, well, no, I'm. Oh, you're talking about, about the, the clickers. Literally, yeah, the clickers and all of all of those noises and stuff. They they grabbed the people who did all of that work in the game, and uh, they had them work on the show, so they sound identical too. <laughs> yeah, the the stuff that comes out of the mouth that I, that is ooh, uh. Uh-uh. Obviously, yeah. So that is a big deviation that they took, but one that they obviously had to. Because in the game, it spreads through spores, um, like kind of in the air or getting bitten. And, you know, for a lot of the game, you're wearing a gas mask. So they didn't want to have, you know, Joel and Ellie in the show be wearing gas masks all day. So they had to think of a different way to to spread it. Um, So that was whole, that was all new. Like the the whole test infection scene, she got killed. She got killed by people in the game. And for to switch it and turn it into that nightmare fuel, (laughs) that that scene was gross. Um, she turned pretty quick. She did. Well, because I think, and again, it's different, I think, in the show because that infection, I guess, through the mouth like that works a little differently. Um, well, no, didn't she, or was she scared? Is that why she was, she was taking so long? Because um, she stopped trying to light it. First off, why don't you just go grab the grenade and un, like, undo it? A dramatic effect, bro. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, she's dumb. <laughs> she took like the longest. And why would they go for her? Like, isn't can't they sense that she's already infected? Um, they. Well, I don't know actually, because that doesn't really come up in the game all that much. Um, obviously Ellie's infected, but the dog didn't smell her. So um, that was weird. 
Yeah, that that surprised me a little bit. Um, I there there what that happened in the game to some capacity, um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know why the dog couldn't detect it because we because they already established earlier in the show that that like little like infection detector thing did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think the dog's just losing his touch, man. I don't. <laughs> I <laughs> dog's some voodoo magic. <laughs> but it, that is an interesting question because I don't know if you've seen World War Z, um, but part of the way that they fought the infection and the vi- the virus in that show is they figured out that people who were already like ill, not with that disease, but like literally like really ill, were completely avoided. Um, so I, I don't actually know. Um, I don't know. Um, cause I'm trying to think if there's an instance, I can't recall an instance and the games are really fresh in my mind. Cause Bree and I just did a playthrough of both of them before the show, um, came out. And I, I don't think there was an instance where that came up. Um, cause normally the rule is if you're infected, we're just going to shoot you right away anyway and not even give you the chance. So, right. Um, so are there any more like Ellie? Um, as far as we know, um, no, but like through the, through the arc of the two games as as the knowledge that we all have is no. Um, but I guess that doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, but they never, they never established that, but I guess if it could have happened, I mean, if it happened to her, I guess it could happen to anybody else. And they explain why, um, she's immune, but. Um, as far as the the story in one and two, she's the only one who's immune. Is she um, she's just secretly infected the whole time, and she's just trying to kill Joel the entire time, get his ass <laughs> right. killed. Right. Um, I think Gosh, the upcoming, darn it, Joel, why would you die? The upcoming episode, I I think is some is a uh, I think is going to be the DLC, which is something I never actually played. I never played the DLC from the first game. Oh, interesting. And I believe it's going to be the backstory of Ellie before um all of this and sort of how she either learned she got infected or one of her i know that she had a friend that i think like there's there's a story with her and a friend um that -hmm. happened before all of this and i think the dlc centers around that i never played the dlc um but uh i think it's going to be around that i'm very interested to see because brie and i were talking about it because they have three episodes to wrap up a lot because there's a lot of stuff that takes place after um after the most recent episode that happened and um like a lot so Mm -hmm. there's one like big section in particular that i'm going to be very curious to see if they skip over um because they very easily could which would be unfortunate because in the game it's arguably my favorite like whole sort of encounter but well the show's not about you I know, but they should really talk to me about all of this. Um, um, but yeah, there's a lot that they have to recap. But they've already set a precedent that they can release an hour, like an hour and thirty minute episode. So maybe they, I don't know. But they they've done an hour thirty. The first episode was an hour and like I think twenty seven minutes. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. I wonder. It took me like five weeks to freaking finish <laughs> that episode. <laughs> Um, but you know what? For as good as HBO has been and as 
good as The Last of Us has been, um, Marvel has had a bit of a downturn. And I'm just going to give you a quick brief thought Uh-oh. on Ant-Man. Um, you, yeah, you like it? No. Oh, <laughs> um, no. And uh, Marvel in its infancy had this really interesting trend of having like good movies, but like really forgettable villains. And they've completely reversed that role because Christian Bale in Thor was awesome. But it, one, he wasn't in it enough. And two, he was in a completely different movie, it felt like, than everybody else. Yeah, Na- the wrong script. Yeah. Namor in Wakanda was awesome. He was easily the best part of that movie. And then Kang in this movie is awesome as well. And thank goodness for, um, for Jonathan. <laughs> um, <laughs> because <laughs> Mr. Majors is... Mm-hmm. amazing and he was given some dumb lines that he Ooh. made that he made sound very good he had some cool lines and but he had a lot of dumb lines that he was able to make sound a lot better but so he, is he like is kang the big villain in Marvel? he's the big villain he's the next thanos yes well is he like bigger than that like who's on who's higher on the pecking order <laughs> well they're they're different um they're different in the sense of how they go about it. Um, because Kang is, I think the reason why Kang is so, so much of a threat is not because he's like necessarily physically stronger than Thanos or anything like that, but because like all of his variants are really smart and know how to mess with time. So that's where Kang becomes really powerful, powerful is because they all know how to manipulate um, kind of the multiverse a little bit, or a lot of them do. Um, There's a lot of different variants of Kang who sort of mess with timelines and um, all of that stuff. I've just looked online right here and it's just a quick Google search. Um, it says Kang win. I mean, Thanos wins against Kang, the Conqueror in the MCU, with and without the Infinity Gauntlet. Like he's stronger in a fight, but I think the reason why right. Kang, like I said, is so devastating uh, is because of, um, you know what he can do. And then there's an article right here that says five reasons Kang is even a deadlier threat than Thanos. So like I think it just depends on how you're. Like, if they were to square off in a boxing ring, I think Thanos probably kills him is kind of what I'm getting. But Kang's got different things that he can bring to the table. So, Ooh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is rotten. Uh, it is rotten. It's the second worst score that the MCU has had. The, the only one, the only worse <sighs> is The Eternals. And that movie is awful. That movie, it's better than The Eternals. It's better than Thor. Um and I think there's a lot of unique stuff going for the multiverse area was kind of cool. Like they had a lot of unique, like side characters and things going on, but um, yeah, it was, it was okay. Like the best what, part like, of the movie is Kang and he's in it a lot, but other than that, there's nothing well, right. Like it just about. wasn't captivating. No, not really. Story wise. Not really. Um, not all that much. I mean, Paul Rudd's great. <laughs> Love Paul is he, Rudd. Is he funny? Is it? Like, he is funny. funny. It's actually not as funny as I thought it was going to be. Uh, like they did crack jokes, um, but it wasn't. It was like compared to the recent Thor movies, way tamer. 
in terms of its humor. Um, but it was uh, it was funny at, uh, at times. Two end credit scenes, so there's one in the middle, one at the end. Um, I'd say the middle one is the middle one is more important, and then this isn't really a spoiler, uh, but the end one is just a teaser for for Loki, the second season. Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah, so if you want to see what that entails, then obviously stay till the end. Um, but yeah, nothing really to other than Kang. Like Kang is great, and I'm glad that he is going to be a part of the MCU going forward because Jonathan Majors is outstanding. But the movie itself, not that great. <laughs> That's unfortunate. I didn't really have high hopes for it, to be honest. Yeah, not that great. Um, so, I. But you know what? After seeing a couple trailers again for the third Guardians movie, I think that'll save it. <laughs> uh, I think we've said this every single movie, though. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Because um, they are on a lengthy dull streak. They're on a bit of a slide. I think um, ever since um, uh, No Way Home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Black Panther. And Rotten Tomatoes is a terrible gauge for how <laughs> good a movie. Like, so let's take this with a grain of salt. But if we're talking about places, you know, that, um, you know, it's all sort of, they're all equally measured in terms of like everybody sort of has a chance. It's an 84% and a 94 okay. and a 94 from um, fans. Oh, like Wakanda yeah. Forever did pretty well. Um, so that, that was a, that that movie, I think you could definitely deem as a success. Um, okay, but <laughs> but like Thor, no, no. The, the MCU shows like She Hulk, probably not. Miss <laughs> um, Marvel. Eh. Um, what are you trying to say? Because they're women. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have defended Brie Larson's Captain Marvel since the beginning. Um, oh, really? I'm on you're, record. You're probably on this, the only one on this show saying that. Um, but yeah, the movies recently not been great, and it is funny when you is compare... she getting the second Captain Marvel? Yes, it's gonna it's Miss Marvels. It's gonna be her Miss Marvel from the TV show, and then. Um, Jessica, like Rambo or whatever her name is. Oh, um, it's going to okay. be them three. Yeah, it's. I think it's just called the Marvels, um, and I think it's going to be about um, the scrolls. Um, scrolls. Yeah. So, I I really do think Guardians. If there's going to be a franchise, like a movie franchise within the MCU, that's going to save them a little bit. I think. I think this Guardians is probably going to do it. Um, it feels, just based on some of the footage, very different than the other recent ones um, that have come out. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, because Guardians has been one of the most successful franchises they've had collectively. So hopefully it, it goes out um, with a bang. Yeah. Is this for sure the last one? This is the last Guardians, yeah. And I'm telling you, there. I don't know who's going to die. One of them for sure is going to die. But I wouldn't be surprised if they kill off multiple Guardians. Um, Might as well. Yeah. I mean, James Gunn is no longer attached to them. He's running DC now. So, um, 
and they're they're starting over. Um, By mistake. So, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um. All right. Well, we have reached our hour mark. Um, thank you all so much for sticking around for the end of the episode. We really do appreciate it. Um, enjoy the sports. And uh, by the sports, <laughs> I mean enjoy the Kings because what other sport is really – and what other team is really worth watching at this point? Um, yeah, just none of them. Exactly. You know what I will say? That when we do have Ben on, there's a question that I want to ask you guys because we now have finally had our first first look at the pitch clock. Um in the minor leagues and sort of how that, uh, how that's going to look and how that's going to operate. Who cares? Um, so I, I wanted to ask you both a little bit about that. <laughs> um, light the beam, Jason, come on, light the beam. And then also, by the way, uh, next time I'll have another movie review for you because I'm going to go in, I'm going to end up seeing a cocaine bear. So, Oh my God, you're going to see that. You know that that's based on a true story, right? Like it, like they're like th- when they had, um, uh, when they had, um, gosh, what is her name? Um, who is the director? Who is the director of Cocaine Bear? Elizabeth Banks. Um, they had her on Smart List, and she was talking about how that that story um, is based off of a true story. Um, it was like a busted uh, drug run. Um, that actually like happened. It was loosely based on uh, the inspired by a true story of the cocaine bear, which is an American black bear that ingested millions of dollars of lost cocaine in 1985. So they just took what act something that actually happened and then turned it into like, you know, a, a fun movie. And I love the reviews that have been coming out from, from multiple places. Like, Hey, this movie is just pure, chaos rampage and fun so go into it just expecting to have a good time and not every movie needs to be the godfather so i'm going into it um with super high expectations just to have a lot of fun <laughs> so so okay stevie we're yeah done. yeah she's sorry <laughs> so um all right gosh geez <laughs> say bye for me all right everybody have a fantastic um week day hour, whatever, month, month year. year, life in general. Um, and uh, yeah, see you later. See ya.